In the name of one God, Holy Trinity, amen. A few years ago, I was visiting my brother in Spain while he lived there playing professional basketball. He had a nice apartment in a great city overlooking the Mediterranean, but even more importantly, he had a car. So we could go and venture out in the countryside and look around. And so one day, we're driving through a remote area, rather rocky, rugged, Not all that great, actually. We saw a huge flock of sheep in the field. How can all those sheep be out out by themselves, I ask? Oh, they're not alone, my brother said. If you look really closely, if you look really closely in the middle of them, you'll see a shepherd. A what? Yeah, you'll see a shepherd. Sure enough, Hidden under a tarp of burlap, way out in the field, there was a person hanging out with the sheep, the shepherd, the one who protects the sheep from danger. Can't say that I'd ever seen a shepherd before or even imagined what a modern-day shepherd would look like. But in Jesus' day, anybody who owned animals either had to be the caretakers themselves or they had to pay someone to look after them. And so Jesus uses this imagery to describe himself, to describe himself as, as it's written in Greek, the shepherd, the good one. We can work through this imagery intellectually, but unless you grew up on a farm, this imagery doesn't work well for a modern audience, at least not entirely. And at first glance, it doesn't seem to work so well for themes of resurrection either, After all, we are still in the Easter season. I think we have to unpack what Jesus is actually saying about himself. He seems to be making a claim, a promise, that he promises to be a good leader, promises to be a wise protector, but he promises also that he'll search for us in our own distinct journey, in the good times and in the bad times of our lives. We've all had both. Jesus is telling us he'll be there. But this goes further. We hear these stories every year on the fourth Sunday of Easter. Why now? This isn't really a resurrection narrative, at least not explicitly in the timeline of the gospel. But... This is a story about life with Jesus, written by a community that wrote about Jesus, the Johannine community, thus the Gospel of John, the Johannine community. They wrote this about 75 years after his earthly ministry had concluded. This story has been written down. It's been recorded in light of the resurrection So it can be viewed in some ways as a resurrection story. In light of what we know, Jesus' teaching tells us that even though he's died and and he has risen again, the claim of being the good shepherd is that he is still near, at large, 
willing to lead us in the present day wherever we go and to inject comfort, strength, and new life into a world that hurts and needs healing. He's the good shepherd because he will continue to lay down his life for us and take it back up again. We hear more today about this love in the first letter of John when it says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. The sacrificial love of Jesus is actually the ultimate power that will overcome and triumph above all in the world. We can see glimpses of this type of resurrected love, this type of self-emptying but mysteriously powerful love in all kinds of things that happen in our world. There are different angles to see it, so I'll try to capture three as they've played out for me. Last December, we hosted several panels of the Names Project AIDS Memorial Quilt. When our team was researching this, I went online to see a video of literally thousands of these panels of the AIDS quilt being displayed in the National Mall in Washington, D.C. And in the process of getting these panels ready for the display, there was literally a liturgy. There was a specific pattern, a method, an order to how people took up each panel and turned it These panels were a memorial of people's lives. And they took each panel and they laid it down, turning it carefully, allowing it to land in the most respectful way, literally laying the memorials of their lives down so that the fullest dignity and respect of the person's life could be honored for all the world to see. And in the same manner of care and respect, The panels that we displayed in Atwood Hall were raised up and shown to new viewers. Some of our panels were almost 30 years old, and yet their display and their memory lives on. A mysterious guiding power of self-emptying love guides these memorials and injects life back into us. To know those who have been lost are in the arms of a shepherd who not only holds on to them, but connects them back to us and gathers all of us together. First example. Second, our friends down under. Our friends in Australia and New Zealand have done something similar this weekend, marking the 100th anniversary of Anzac Day the day that the troops from the Australian-New Zealand Army Corps landed in enemy territory at Gallipoli in the Ottoman Empire in the year 1915. And while their leaders thought that their fight, their campaign, would be short-lived, it went on for over eight months, and over 21,000 Allied troops were lost in that campaign alone. Australia and New Zealand lost more people per capita in World War I than any other countries on earth. Today, 
this Sunday in Melbourne, Australia, in front of St. Paul's Cathedral there, red hand-sewn poppies cover literally the entire sidewalk from the steps of the cathedral all the way down to the memorial plaza along the Yarra River. You should Google it. The sights are quite amazing. For many, Anzac Day has become a time to remember all those who have died in national conflicts. They're remembered, the fallen are honored, and the horror of war is recalled in hopes that war among nations will cease and that we may be guided by our resurrected Lord that calls all of us to seek peace and pursue it to lay down our arms, and in the words of the familiar spiritual, to study war no more. But our mysterious and powerful good shepherd, who has been raised from the dead, did a whole lot more for the world this week in an unprecedented display of love, acceptance, and action. As I wrote about in my commentary this week on Thursday in Yerevan, Armenia, leaders of the Armenian Apostolic Church, one of the most ancient of all Christian churches, these leaders gathered at their cathedral and not only remembered the 1.5 million people who suffered as victims of genocide during World War I, these church leaders canonized the fallen as saints. Of God. This was the first time in 400 years that the Armenian church had canonized anyone. Their tradition is not cutting edge. It's slow, deliberate, methodical. But literally all 1.5 million victims were declared by the church to be saints. This is huge. Yes, in number huge, but even more huge because some of these victims were members of the Armenian church, but many were people of other faiths, and some might not have had any religion at all. But the church, in the name of Christ, our good shepherd, gathered the fallen and transformed their tragedy into a victory of life and new hope in Christ. Their souls were given boldness before God so that their lives were not in vain and that people everywhere can be connected to them to see that the true heart, the true message of Christianity is love, reconciliation, and wholeness. The mysterious and self-emptying love of our good shepherd will not be stopped by any earthly force. And so, here we are, halfway around the world from Armenia and Australia. And the AIDS panels we displayed in December are now somewhere else in America. Here we are. How is Jesus, our good shepherd, leading us? Where is a mysterious, self-emptying, and powerful love dwelling with us here? I think our discernment doesn't need to venture any further past current events of our time, 
even the ones from the past 24 hours in Nepal, earthquake, Baltimore, civil unrest. I'm sure there are many that we don't know about. Many of us in our communities are venturing through their own valleys of the shadow of death. Many people in our cities lack clothing, food, shelter, education, health care, and others simply fear the authorities and are afraid, maybe because of their national origin or because of the color of their skin. Others are fearful of faith communities, possibly even our very own. I sure hope not. Because there's some kind of fear and trepidation that their humanity is somehow unequal to our humanity. There's all sorts of hurts. There's all sorts of needs. These needs are out there in Phoenix, in our neighborhoods, but they're also right here in our community. Many of our brothers and sisters in our church congregation might be needing a reconciling response from us, too. Who have we hurt? Where can we bring healing? How do we look within? Here's the reality. We live in a fast-paced and ever-changing world where there's always more to understand and more to learn. And there is always more opportunity for us to practice our faith. Where have we set up blockades around our hearts? Have we let the Good Shepherd gather us? Or are we wanting to be in charge? Jesus longs to gather. Jesus longs to bring the whole world into his fold. The powers of the world sometimes want us to control things and figure things out on our own. But the mysterious, guiding, and self-emptying power of Christ calls us together. Calls us together as one human family, as one community of love to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So that as Christians following Christ the Good Shepherd, we get to help Jesus inject comfort, strength, and new life into a world that hurts and needs healing. And by our openness to allow Jesus to guide us in this process, realizing that we're not alone, the shepherds right in the midst of helping us heal the world, we won't be surprised to see others following us saying, I want to know that God that you know. I want to love in a way that your community loves. And our response is to say, yes, welcome. Welcome to the household of God where Jesus has set a place at the table for you and for me and for everyone who's ever lived. Our good shepherd is still near, connecting us with one another and the whole family of God. Our good shepherd is still at large, smack dab in the midst of us, gathering us right here. 
How do you invite the shepherd to lead you?